Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shiny man? What a weekend for the boys in green across the water. Evan Ferguson with a textbook Evan Ferguson goal, the close control. The early strike with very little backlift, mm. passing the ball at the bottom corner of the net. Chidoza Bene inspiring Luton Town to their first home win of the season and earning them top billing on match of the day. Andrew Moran, our most... Are you, you're kind of looking at me. Did you, are you surprised? No, not at all. No. Well, I mean, I was pretty surprised, I have to say, when uh, I hadn't actually watched any football on yeah. Saturday uh, because I was out and about. Got to say, perfect. Match today. Don't, didn't even know most of the scores. <laughs> yeah. Man City, Liverpool, let's go. Yeah. Let's let's bloody go. And then I had to wait like an hour. <laughs> they did put that right there near the end. And then they put Arsenal right at the very end. Almost pointed. Almost uh, pointed. They were the late kickoff, so maybe there's a policy there. Almost pointed, yeah. Anti-Arsenal bias there. But Benny did great. Andrew Moore in our most recent senior international with a goal and an assist for Blackburn Rovers. The regularly called up to the Ireland squad, Sammy Smodix, also scored in that game. Yeah. <laughs> Frequent uh, appear at squads. The Sometimes future is bright. makes it to the end of the uh, training camp. The future is bright. Killian Phillips, our friend from last week, who did a great interview after yeah, I know that playing that. great stuff for the under-21s consistently. He scored a nice goal for... Wickham as well. Let's not mention Darrow Shea scoring an own goal that allowed West Ham to equalise. Or Josh Cullen coming on at 85 minutes, winning 1-0 and uh, losing 2-1. Just forget about the Burnley, the whole Burnley thing. (laughs) Doesn't really add to my narrative here that the future could be bright. Just before Ken brings you your report on sport, a reminder that we've released a new update episode of Where is George Gibney in the BBC? This comes after the recent news that a file has been sent to the DPP following a guard investigation into fresh allegations against Gibney. The episode features a QA. and a that took place in the National Concert Hall last year with many of the people you became familiar with over the course of the series. It's just amazing even hearing the theme tune back and it brings you back into a time a couple of years ago when that series went down so well with so many people and it was just great to hear some of those some of those contributors again speaking on stage. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's it's really uh, well worth the listen. And that was it. Like you hear the music and immediately yeah. you're just like thrown straight back into the whole emotion of the of the thing. So yeah. Uh, it's well worth a listen. It's available on the BBC Sounds app or wherever you get your podcasts. You, uh, are you going to go on with that list of Irish... Uh... Just a moment, Ken. Okay. Also available <laughs> wherever you get your pods. <laughs> the next episode with Richie Sadler. Not the next episode as in the Dr. Dre song. No. 
but the next episode of his mm. series episode with Richie Sadler coming out this Wednesday. It's been a phenomenal series so far, so I'm looking forward to that one. If you want to hear our Champions League coverage during the week, you'll want to be signing up to the World Service and secondcaptains.com for five euro a month plus VAT, Manchester United. Visiting hell on Wednesday, always a tough place to go. <laughs> They're away to Galatasaray. That's an early kickoff, Murph. I'm marking your card. 5.45pm. You wag that finger at me. I know all about it. 5.45. Yep. Report on sport, please, Ken. If you'd like to talk about those other Irish players, have I left a few off the list? Uh, I don't know. Is it out of sight, out of mind, as far as Troy Parrott is concerned? Must have been. Not catching up on Excelsior against Zwolle. Sleeping on Excelsior again. Owen. What did Troy Parrott do? Scored a goal well, in his 19-minute substitute appearance. Beautiful. Scored a goal. Excelsior scored another goal. Unfortunately, they conceded four goals ah. to the men of Zwolle. And, uh, <laughs> the mighty man as well. It wasn't a great day for Excelsior, but Troy scored, so he's happy. Green wave that's going to sweep them away on Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, God. Cheetos Benny only mentioned uh, John Bruin was there, I think, uh, watching. He was awed. He was awed by the performance of Cheetos Benny, both on the pitch and in the mix zone. Oh, yeah. Uh, where uh, Cheetos was saying. Um, well, he was playing on the left. Uh, he, he, he will have seen, I'm sure, the assist he had, which was after he'd moved over to the right. But he was saying um, that uh, uh, when I'm running at defenders, I can go both ways. It lets me be more efficient. Knowing I can go either side puts more fear into defenders. It's a position I like, as I do in the right. The gaffer put me there in a later game. The right is natural for me, so I can put balls into the box early. It's slightly easier on the left as an attacker because dribbling on the right defenders are more prone to protecting that side. Uh, he talked about Stephen Kenny then. He said Stephen Kenny built a strong foundation for the future of Ireland football. Don't know if he said Ireland football or if that's a transcription error. Uh, what they have done in the past three years is phenomenal. What we have done, well, maybe he meant Stephen Kenny and his staff. Uh, they've changed the philosophy and mentality of the system. They brought me and a lot of young players in. I spoke to him. He's a proud Irishman. He's proud of the legacy left. I left them a message. The coaches replied to me. They're proud of what they have left. Yes, we didn't achieve what we wanted to achieve. But the mark they left in Irish football is phenomenal. Uh, and then talked a bit about how basically playing for Ireland has, um, has kind of changed his mentality. Well, in the sense of uh, two years ago, my agent asked me if I was ready for the Premier League. I said no. Then after two years of international football, he asked me and I said, yes. When I came to the Premier League, I was proud to be here, but I'd earned the respect to be here by playing against France, Belgium and Portugal. I, Portugal, I felt quite comfortable. I came into this league with confidence. I'm not just here to get a chance, but because I worked my way up and got, got the reward I deserved. So... He is one of those players that Kenny referenced. He said there was eight or nine of them, I think he said, whose careers have directly been impacted positively by their involvement in his Ireland team. Mm. Well, look, Alan, I mean, you've just... You've just been reading out a stellar list of accomplishments just from one weekend. Mm. You know, you could you could do a Bayou Tapestry based on just this weekend's yeah. achievements by Irish players. This podcast really should be eight or nine hours long. Really, mm. You know, this is the hottest job yeah. in international football. You know, you'd have to say expectations not super high, <laughs> not super high, but you know. The, the people, they cry out for a leader. Yeah. In the, you know, in the positive sense in this, you know. Yeah. But they all, do, uh, I mean, they also, they back their team. They wear the tracksuit top they and bottom. They wear the tracksuit. The top and the bottom. They have the Tribune. They have the tracksuit. Yeah. They're, As you know, they're all dressed up with nowhere to go uh, <laughs> as, it, as it currently stands. <laughs> but just imagine 
just imagine that, you know for the for the person who could come along and, yeah. and unlock all this we need a Moses we're looking for a Moses and so who's it going to be I mean it's it's hard to know over the weekend um, we heard the sad news that Terry Venables had died yeah obviously in my own way I paid tribute to Terry Venables by re-watching the famous uh, debate on the RTE uh, analysis um, about Terry Venables when oh they did a job on him or Dunphy did didn't he uh, when he was being, his name was being put forward by the uh, fake media for the uh, job of Ireland's manager. This was after Steve Staunton, uh, the the post Staunton pre Trapattoni mm. interregnum, and Eamon Dunphy uh, decided that he didn't think Terry Venables should get this job. And I watched it again, and it's honestly. It's 16 or 17 of the best minutes on the internet. Really? Because <laughs> Dunphy's entire career now on the internet is generally boiled down to the I'll Tell You Wrote It, which yeah. celebrated its anniversary recently and yeah. gets popped back up. I it's heard. the one that you see way more than any other ones. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're sleeping on the Sleeping on a lot of other yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the Venables one was just as good. And, and you know, it's got, because everyone's there. I mean, Soonis is there. I don't think you hear him in this clip, but he, he's sitting there sort of watching this. Uh, Giles is in the middle. Bill O'Hurley is winding people up by quoting their old articles at them. <laughs> as it was his want. And Dunphy is, is whip, uh, putting on his glasses and whipping them off. Yeah. And, and in <laughs> this... Uh, the glasses meant, meant business. This, I d- I've done my homework. That's the, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was in, yeah. it was in this. But just we'll play the first little clip of it here, which is... Uh, this is this is Bill quoting some stuff. If you can imagine a question more calculated to annoy John Giles than the than the thing Bill O'Hurley insinuates here, um, you can tell me after the <laughs> clip. But I particularly love the respectful interjections that we're going to hear from Amy Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> respectful, you know. Listen, let's just hear. I think has called him a hollow man in one of his oh, writings. I, well, that's fair enough. Eamon I mean, is entitled to his opinion. But more importantly, can I say that he, he also, Eamon, also indicated that you have bought into the myth of... Oh, no, I haven't bought into anything, uh, Bill. I, I, I wouldn't be as harsh on Terry Venables. I wouldn't know his record as much <coughs> as Eamon did. All I know is his reputation on football over the years. And anybody that I've spoken to who played for Terry Venables or was managed under Terry Venables, when he was constantly in training on his football, was very, very good. He, they, they, they spoke very, very well of him. Uh, I, would, I would have reservations about Terry Venables because of he's been a bit flighty in his uh, career, Bill, to say the least. In other words, he's had a job that hasn't concentrated on a lot of jobs that he's done. I think the ones that he's concentrated on doing, uh, uh, that he's done, has been good. Excuse me for interrupting you, John. I hate to do this. When he was appointed manager of Leeds United, right, he didn't turn up for the first match. Because he was doing a gig for the BBC's holiday programme. Hmm. Sorry, John. I'm not doubting that. Hmm. It's what, a fact. What? Yeah, I know. I'm not yeah, saying, but it's saying, not, saying you're, not, you're saying when I, he concentrates on yeah. something, he's good at it. Well, how do we know well, he's going to concentrate? Well, we don't know, Eamon, but we don't Why know are we giving him the job then? Well, hang on. <laughs> he hasn't got the, sorry. Okay. Sorry, John. Go on. We, sorry. Well, look, I think we've got to get back to base. First of all, the selection committee has been. <laughs> sorry, John. Go on. He <laughs> <laughs> just goes, goes on like that for so long. <laughs> It's brilliant, but uh, the, um, just I thought this this just play one of the clips. You can go and watch the whole clip; it's really good. But the um, <laughs> the the, the, uh, the way he said "holiday program" is just absolutely <laughs> dumb. Holiday, holiday program. Um, 
but uh, where, where does he where does he come in? So this again, this is a uh, now uh, Bill O'Reilly can't, is not just going to quote Eamon Dunphy at John Giles. He's going to quote him at Dunphy himself mm-hmm. because Dunphy has spent spent the previous few minutes just destroying Venables as a candidate. You know, yeah. saying this is uh, we can't have this, uh, and this is where it comes back in. But just uh, just the the comparison that what Dunphy ends up saying here, and the comparison between where we were then or where we thought we were and mm. where we are now. Can I ask you, why have you changed your mind? Because I see a quote here from you <laughs> that says, uh, he's a, this is about Venables, that it was in the Sunday Times. He's a typical sharp, this was, when was this? Two, 2005, he's a typical sharp cockney. There's a touch of the Jimmy White about him. He's very bright, although not really a person of conviction. Terry's basically a wheeler dealer, but he's a good guy. That's exactly what I'm saying tonight, Bill, except I'm flushing it out. Well, I think the, the conclusion no, would be different. wouldn't be that he was a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the conclusion. I, thought, uh, <laughs> I must have been, I must have been after a libel case, but I was being careful. But the point, 65. No, no, no. That's actually what I'm saying. He's a wheeler dealer, and yeah. he's a... He's a he, but, it, but you're saying he's not the right personality Irish for Ireland. Irish football. So what do we need? Okay, get away from Venables for a second. What kind of a guy should we be going for if we want the top of the range We want to have the kind of ambition manager. that Birmingham City showed today. And the kind of ambition that England will show when they go and appoint a manager, everybody hopes. We need to get our own mindset right before we go and appoint anyone. Go and get the best you can get and put the money on the table to get them. I'd agree with that. But I think that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind Kind it of kind of did. Because I think the, the Birmingham City manager he's referring to is uh, Birmingham, uh, I think that uh, if I remember correctly from the clip that I watched today, not from 2007, uh, Alex McLeish had just left Birmingham for for the Scotland job. Or was it the other way around? Had he left Scotland for, anyway, phew. Birmingham apparently had, a, had approached Marcelo Lippi All right. to be the manager. Uh, so I guess we ended up getting Trapattoni. Did even was, better. We got an even more legendary Italian football manager. Yeah. Uh, Bill when, was good, wasn't he? Ah, very good. But yeah. when when you look back, would actually would we have been better off at Venables than than Trap? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I really like. Would you've got us to a Euros, Ken? Well, Trap got us to Euros, of course. Mm. I mean, I think listen listening to Dunphy there, it sounds to me like Terry Venables would have stuck with us for eighteen months and then left for the, you know. Oh man, national football. I don't, I, I don't know why Venables had this reputation as being a bit flighty. Uh, just going back through his early career. In the 1960s, he invented the thingy wig, <laughs> a hairpiece that he patented, which was apparently a, sort of a hat with false hair sewn into it to allow women do their shopping while wearing curlers. <laughs> this was his first of many, many business ventures while he was still there. But you know, you've got to have interest outside the game. It's like Leonardo yeah. da Vinci, you know, his, his mind was just yeah. spilling yeah. forth with ideas. You know, it wasn't yeah. all just about like. Um, Four four two and four, four, four three, three two, two one. one or the diamond, of course, in Euro ninety six. Christmas tree, yeah. Christmas, Christmas tree, tree yeah. not diamond. Christmas tree. Um, you know, I, I always, I, I must say, I quite like Terry Venables as a as a personality. You know, he's charismatic for sure. He did you see that photo of Pep Guardiola and adoring fifteen year old Pep yeah. staring up at him as he's being chaired off the pitch, having guided Barcelona into the final of the European Cup. And Barcelona also won the league with Barcelona. They haven't won the league in ten years. Oh yeah, kind of like oh, he, there, he won yeah. the league with Barcelona, big deal. But they hadn't, you know, when he became the manager, they they hadn't. And they weren't yeah. regular visitors to the European Cup final either, for that matter. No. Um, so why did you like him? Did you think you're going to say? Because I mean, how could you? How could you not like him? Really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like obviously he was. I mean, they found they the court. The court sort of said you can't be company director because 
there's a lot of crooked stuff here. Mm-hmm. And he didn't dispute any of it. Yeah. You know, it's like he denied it. And, and then the court Dunphy, was like... So you're saying basically Dunphy's description is literally word perfect. Well, there was a plea bargain, Bill. <laughs> there was a plea bargain and and he had to accept not being a company director and which which is a real tragedy for him because he wasn't that old when that happened you know he he was in his mid 50s i guess uh well what what age was he yeah he he would have only been 54 i think when that or maybe 55 when that ruling happened so you know he had another if you look at roy hodgson roy hodgson is in his late 70s managing the premier league now like, if Venables had only been able to, as Giles sort of puts it, concentrate on football, right, rather than getting involved in all the bookkeeping and mm. stuff, then he would have been in a position to, like, what are the chances he would have been managing Chelsea at some point under Abramovich? I would say 98%, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> 98% been a One Chelsea manager. One sacking from Chelsea would have been... It ended up being Gus Hiddink who pocketed all that sweet Chelsea mm-hmm. cash. Yeah. You know, Gus Hiddink, the man who he tore to pieces at, at Euro 96 in his masterpiece game. Yeah. Gus Hiddink, who Jeff Powell, writing in the Daily Mail uh, today, uh, claims that uh, Gus Hiddink uh, said after the game, uh, can I find the Gus Hiddink admitted, in a quote attributed to him today by Jeff Powell, this is the only time I've ever been so tactically outthought. <laughs> a very uncharacteristic uh, statement from Gus Hiddink, yeah. I would say. But... You know, the fact was England ripped on to pieces that day. And that was the, I remember watching it live and it was an, it was one of the most incredible games of international football because remember that Holland had just been beating England for years. Yeah, it's amazing. They trashed them in the Euro 88. They, okay, they drew with them in the, in the World Cup and England got further in the 1990 World Cup mm. than, than Holland. But then they knocked them out of the 94 World Cup in the qualifiers. You know, the Graham Taylor. Yeah. Uh, tell, yeah he's going to chip it. He's going to chip it. Yeah, he's going to flick one here. Flick one, that's it. Yeah, he's going to flick right. one here. Yeah. Uh, and he did. Uh, and then he, he did, like, Ron Coleman was on a rampage committing all kinds of crimes yeah. which are unpunished by the corrupt referee. Tell that, tell your friend, the referee, he's cost me my job. Or yeah. is it linesman, you've cost me my job. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of, oh, these guys are... There was a bit of an inferiority complex from uh, England towards Holland at that stage, uh, and then to absolutely destroy them in that game. And one of the goals, the, the Shearer goal, which was set up Sheringham by Gascoigne and Sheringham, laid it off to him. Yeah, yeah, was just a beautiful goal. And this was, you know, and Dunphy in that clip makes the point. Well, you know, they drew against Switzerland. They 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 were lucky to beat Scotland, who missed a penalty just before they scored the second goal. Um, they drew against Spain. He didn't even get the, they got knocked out on penalties after drawing against. Yeah. So yeah. what was yeah, what's all the fuss about? Um, it was a big uh, it was a big deal. And I also remember his his Spurs team winning the cup in 1991. That was all a decade. In fairness to Dunphy, that was all a decade before the conversation we're hearing there. He didn't do anything after the England job. Didn't have any. No. Well, this is the problem was that he, he they they got rid of him in England because of like the inappropriate stuff surrounding his various financial mm. and business affairs you know they're like this guy's is bad for our image mm. right and you can sort of say well it's just the the fusty state FA or whatever the blazers like, at the end of the day like come on there were, I mean there was a story in the Tom Bauer book about how he had uh he had stolen the floor from the Tottenham Supporters Association to install it as a dance floor in mm. his club scribes oh literally so honestly <laughs> you said stolen the floor there no the floor yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the dance floor they just, they just, <laughs> just lifted up some guys just appeared lifted it up and then reappeared in scribes this is uh, you know it's like, like what what are you doing so you know that was and if, if he could have 
if you could have reined that in a bit. I mean, the, the problem, I, I suppose, for a lot of these guys of that sort of generation was the um, the fact that they became really famous celebrities, but were not paid. You know, this is the era of footballers on the bus. Mm. Uh, uh, here is Stanley Matthews, and he lives in a you know the upstairs floor of a two up two down. Mm-hmm. You know th- that that type of thing, and you know so we we kind of say, well, that's great, you know, because the players were part of their community, and the, and it, there hadn't been this huge gap that had built up between the the players and the the working man who went to the the games and all that kind of thing. Um, and obviously by the by the eighties, the gap was opening up, but still, you know, not kind of. It wasn't like what I what I, what I mean is I think a lot of them felt as though they weren't really being paid commensurate with their oh, status. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I I walk, Terry Venables goes out in the street, literally everyone in the street is, oh, tell, you know, they're not asking for a photo because you couldn't do that. Um, An autograph kid. But everybody knows him. Um, you know, he's a he's a national figure, but like, and, and, and by the way, he's working for Alan Sugar, mm-hmm. who's got all this money, and what's he ever really done? You know, you know, so... Uh, so there was a bit of a tendency to go, well, I, sh- I should be getting looked after here better than I am. And if I'm going to have to look after myself to do that, well, you know. He's off making his own fucking pile. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the end, it, it, I suppose it ended up costing him because, it, because of the way it truncated his career. And he could have he ended up making a lot more uh, more money. But he was a good uh, or a manager. Or, you know, he was a good coach who, who had some really exciting teams. I mean, that Tottenham 91 FA Cup is one of the great... FA Cup campaigns. I mean, because because of Gascoigne, Gascoigne scored one of the best goals I've ever seen in the semi-final against the Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Lineker was playing for the for Tottenham. Uh, they just had a really exciting team. The final was really good against Nottingham Forest. Diabetes legend Gary Mabbott was yeah. the captain. Thank you, Gary Mabbott, <laughs> diabetes legend. Um, and and the the cup final I remember it was Brian Clough as well against Venables. The other uh, Brian Clough. Overlooked by England mm. all the way. You know, the greatest manager England never had. Yeah, but I, I remember that uh, at, it went to extra time. I think Lineker missed a, Lineker missed a penalty in the game. Um, Tottenham. Gascoigne destroyed himself with yeah. a, by, by, by this horrible foul, his second horrible foul in the first few minutes. He was stretched off with That's a, uh, usually my standout knee. memory of that game. Yeah, I don't, oh, remember, I don't remember being a great final. I just remember his I'm trying rid- to think. ridiculous his crazed lunges that eventually yeah. put himself out of the game and he, put his move to Lazio in jeopardy. He destroyed himself with the tackle of Gary Charles. Um, I think it was the second bad foul on Gary Charles because he did it. He had a Nigel de Jong, Xabi Alonso type of foul before that. On, yeah, and the ref was that, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. don't do that again. Careful now. Uh, I think Stuart Pearce scored from the free kick Yes, that, that Gascoigne gave away Correct. with his fatal um, yeah. challenge. It was, so it wasn't a Gary Mabadon goal. It was a Des Walker Des Walker. Goal. In extra time, well, the Tottenham equal. Paul Stewart scored. Yep. Um, but the but the match went to extra time, and what I remember was uh, Brian Clough sitting on the bench with his arms folded, wearing I think in his green jumper with his arms folded, and this sort of arrogant expression of "I don't need to say it to them; they know what to do." You know, he it was obviously his kind of psychological gambit or whatever it was. You know, I don't even need to talk to them. You know, and Venables was down with the team. Just oh, come on, lads! And obviously, Venables' team went, and uh, mm. I mean, yeah, it's a know. it's a classic Wikipedia page, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Nottingham Forest team: nine English Englishmen, an Irishman, and a Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> and then for t- there was, of course, who's uh, the Ar- who's the Irishman? Uh, was Roy, Roy the great Roy Keane. Keane. 
Forest. Of course, of course. Forest, yeah. And then for Spurs, uh, nine Englishmen, a Welshman, <laughs> and of course Eric Torresved for a little bit of flamboyance. Yeah, no, but it's Scandinavian. And, and, and that's for Naeem, who came on in the 17th minute for Paul Gascoigne. Well, like he was from another planet. <laughs> beamed him in from Mars. It was all good. But yeah, so so uh, I suppose the the greatest manager Ireland never had. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know where we're going to go now. Like the just that the Dunphy's like, go put the money down, you know, get go out and get Marcello Lippi. You know, we're kind of like that's not happening. Would Lee Carsley want the job? You know, he is. <laughs> he's got a pretty good job with the under twenty ones. So we're we've come down a bit in the world, but who knows? We, we'll see where it goes. Before we leave, what about my world exclusive on Saturday in Premier Sports? Oh, that's right. On I was watching. No you. question, replied Neil Lennon when I asked him would he be interested in the Ireland job. No question. Wow. As you in, really have to, of course, you really have to drag it out of You're really twisting his arm there to get him to. <laughs> but I think it is you that, in fact, does want to watch the uh, d- does indeed want to manage the Ireland no, uh, football. People team. were struck with how open he was and in, in yeah. stating that he would love to do the job. Obviously, be a great honour and so on. Uh, so he's I think it's called throwing your hat in the ring Murph yep. yeah. I don't That's know if he was I, funny enough in approaching it pre-show I think people are always there's a, a human tendency to be a little wary of putting yourself out there because of course you might not necessarily yep. get the gig and then you're worried about how that looks but no he went for it and he wants it yeah so that's another one in the ring Neil Lennon well there was a um, there was a, an interview with uh, Kneecap in the uh, in the Irish Times uh, over the weekend, yeah, Kneecap, um, here where Neil Lennon comes up actually. Uh, I, mean, I, I am intrigued here. <laughs> I often am during these reports. <laughs> they're they're in Dundalk. The night before we were shooting a film, we got absolutely pissed. Morning dawn in Dundalk. We're hungover. There's sixty people staring at us. Uh, we had this sing song with Michael Fassbender. Then Neil Lennon happens to come in with a big black eye. DJ Provey says, I was in the toilet throwing up creme de menthe. I look up and see Neil Lennon and Michael Fassbender. Like, is this a fucking dream? <laughs> so, but that, you know, that's that's just that, uh, I mean, that's, laying your hair down. Yeah, exactly. That's got nothing to do with his ability to do the Ireland job. Um, so, Fassbender for No. So he, well, we have got one uh, confirmed candidate at least. Lots for the FBI to think about. Anyway, there was uh, also some Premier League football happening on over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, none bigger than at Goodison Park, where we had uh, the first major anti-corruption protest of the season. Uh, although, I don't think it's going to be the last. Um, we've graduated quite quickly from people doing this thing, um, making the glasses symbol with their... Uh, you need to go to spec fingers savers. to the yeah. to the ref. To the refs are corrupt, and now the league is corrupt. Yeah. The entire league, and the Everton uh, Everton fans had staged this big anti-corruption protest. So they, they hired a, a plane to go to the Man City Liverpool game because it was going to be dark by the time the game at Goodison was on. So there's no point in hiring a plane for that. Yeah, um, uh, Premier League corrupt um, UTFT up the fucking toffees. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there was a big anti-corruption protest in in Liverpool, and they were they had all these banners talking about the Premier League corruption. And then everyone had very a car. wordy banners again. Were from they? Yeah, yeah. It was just a lot of. Re- I mean, you had to get like the little you know Dunphy's glasses had to go on. Every get the, time the, you get the thesaurus out for yeah. the Everton banners. <laughs> wherever there's, like la- you know, we get the picture. You know, it just seems there's a lot more words on this banner than there needs to be. And then the 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 impressive visual spectacle created by all the you know th- tens of thousands of hot pink cards mm. uh, with the Premier League lion 
now synonymous with corruption and the word corrupt underneath this big corrupt lion. And the teams go out, boo, and everyone's waving the corrupt banners. And whenever you could see in the game, whenever anyone, whenever there was like a free kick or something, all the crowd behind her like holding up the corrupt cards so that, to make sure it got on TV. Because obviously Sky didn't put the plane on TV. Sky are trying to brush this all under the carpet, you know, because they're obviously in cahoots with all of this. And uh, the game starts and almost immediately Garnacho scores, I believe, the best bicycle kick in the history of the Premier League. Wayne Rooney got a good one, of course, all those years ago. This Shin, was... Shinned it, mate. I think it was... Yeah, I mean, it, he did shin it a little bit and it was also a sl- off a slower ball. Yeah. And I just think the speed of the, the cross that was coming over from Dello and the kind of just how perfectly he, he caught it into the far top corner, I'm like... Yeah. That's a good indication of how brilliant the goal was. I thought was Dallow's reaction. If you look at it from there's one angle from behind where he crosses mm. it, he he obviously thinks he's fucked it up and just put it. He's yeah. put it into an area, yeah, but yeah. Like, he's not expecting a goal. It's not. Like he's he's on, put it behind the area, behind yeah, the area, yeah. and then suddenly Garnacho sprints, walks it in, and Dallow's turned around yeah, like he's yeah. just he's watching it on TV or something. He's like, yeah, oh Jesus, yeah. what an unbelievable <laughs> yeah, goal! The, he's, he, he's hoping Luke Shaw is yeah. able to get on the end of the cross <laughs> to to retrieve it from going out of play on the far side. Basically, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it's just. It's just Everton, you know? You're just like, I can't believe that just happened to us. Like, mm. after all of this, and it's you we're like, yeah, we're going to do these. United, they haven't really been that good. Well, their recent form has actually been quite good, but they haven't been impressive. They're actually the form team in the Premier League. But. The results have been better than the performances. And uh, and then after a couple of minutes, you're like, poof, and oh, mm, maybe yeah. this isn't going to be our day. And then Everton fought back manfully and actually had chance after chance. Oh, Nana is just... <laughs> <laughs> that Spider-Man. <laughs> Nothing can get past Onana. And when they eventually do manage to get past this, the unbreachable barrier of Onana, there's Kobe Mainu to uh, save uh, save the ball on the line. Uh, Mainu, who had a really good game, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're like, wow, this guy is... I mean, he looks as good as any of the central midfielders that they've sort of been trying out. You know, this whole Casemiro. Is, Casemiro can't, can't move anymore. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like this guy could... Um, Obviously, he's just had a big injury, or yeah. he's been out for weeks. He's going he, to get he's going to get plenty of minutes in this Man United team. I, think I would he, say if he steers clear of injury, yeah, I think he will be. Uh, and then eventually, then there was all these like cause there's so much anger in the stands, you know, with this oh, corrupt. Uh, and then the ref keeps corruptly refusing to book United players for obvious bookings, right? <laughs> obvious, or like he turns. His, there's a pantomime moment where he turns his back, yeah. and Garnacho villainously kicks the ball away, and the Everton players go, "Oh, look at that!" Behind you, and they immediately he books the Corey. <laughs> Because he's like, you can't, you can't rat on, a, on another Sn- player. Snitches get stitches, That's as you it. said, is a new policy <laughs> in the New York well, Times piece. But he literally said it on, well, he didn't literally say that, but he said, I'm, uh, the referees have been told, uh, Howard Webb has told them to clamp down again on players looking for bookings, you know? So, uh, so he did. Uh, and then when he eventually did book a United player, he transforms that into a penalty. Uh, he books Marshall for a dive. Uh, it's not a dive, it's a trip rescinds the booking awards a penalty which Rashford scores Rashford had a terrible game I don't know if you saw Bruno's interview after the game where he was saying oh, I thought he needed confidence so that's why I gave him the penalty was this good captaincy yeah yeah as long as he scores <laughs> yeah it's true yeah, it yeah. if he hadn't scored but he did score 
Uh, it would and, be and a shameful said, abdication of responsibility if Rashford like had polluted into the top It's like he'd forgotten how to celebrate as well. He scores and then he starts trotting mm. really about that no, I, think, I think he was uh, a bit not embarrassed. That, well, a bit embarrassed. Also, maybe not all that eager to share his joy with the Manchester United fans who was eventually pushed towards... Oh, is uh, that what you feel? Oh, I'd say so. Because he turned his back on the Man United fans after he scored his second goal of the season. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's ah, fair yeah. to say Rashford maybe... Has uh, tuned in to some of the. Uh, uh, He's aware of the noise. Aware of the noise, precisely. Yeah, I mean that's what it looked like to me, anyway. Um, yeah, uh, well, I, I mean it was a nice gesture from Bruno, and maybe it will work because he certainly needs something. Because I mean it was everything it was he did incredible was incredible. How bad he was! Oh yeah, and he, every dribble was just a failure. It, it was really terrible. It was he was lucky almost. To, well, it wasn't that late. It was fifty six minutes, I think, when he scored. So it wasn't really that late in the game. But I don't think he would have lasted too much longer out there, um, the way his performance was going. But uh, he scored, and obviously even Martial scores. Martial, who always scores against Everton somehow. Uh, and Everton lose 3-0. And they're in a difficult... I mean, honestly, they're in a difficult position because they've lost 10 points. But you know, we're kind of like, oh, Everton will probably get away with it. Like, you know, mm. they could... If you're looking at their next few games, they've got to play Nottingham Forest next. Nottingham Forest, who lost to Brighton, but very, it was a very difficult win for Brighton. Um, uh, and if they, you know, obviously they can't really afford to lose to Everton. Can't really. Afford, then they've got to play like Everton, uh, and not rather Chelsea, uh, Newcastle, Man City, and Tottenham. I think are, are all in their next four games with also for, uh, next six games with with Forest and Burnley. Well, you know my feelings. I thought they were going to get relegated anyway. Yeah, Everton fans. Well, have been have been buoyed by their recent form, but and it's sort of like scoring goals could be a problem, you know. Like, um, are you going to score enough goals to really to get out of this? And with that, with the kind of ten point penalty, it's a real anchor. Um, but the, the reaction of the fans is sort of interesting. I don't think, like, I, I think the Everton fans are wrong, like in the sense that I don't agree that this shows the Premier League is corrupt. Mm. At the same time, it doesn't surprise me the Everton fans are doing this because. They are Everton fans. Like, the Everton fans are going to... Everton fan. Yeah. And it's the same as we were talking last city about... Last last city, last week about the the city fans. You know what I mean? If you're in this... This is, this is our group. This is what we think. We've been screwed over. Like, if you look... I read the... the I mean, I, I don't think the Everton fans are saying that the, that the rules necessarily are corrupt. It's just, uh, why are you uh, applying the rules... For us, when mm. you're not, when you haven't been able to do it for anyone else, well, that's I mean, that's, that's where the corruption part comes in, I presume. Well, the, I mean, also Andy Bird, I mean, you know, the mayor of Manchester, mm. had some points about how, in his opinion, they've he he says this should be null and voided, like he's like he, this is this is illegitimate because of because the goalposts were moved in terms of what the sanction was going to be during the process. This is his sort of argument, and there's a you know if you read the commission report, there's a section in it where you know. So, so we were we, we were talking about this, for example, with uh, John Blaine last week um, when we had him on, uh, and he he referred to this kind of curious coincidence where uh, Richard Masters had expressed uh, his view that it should be a six point penalty plus one point for each five million pounds over the limit they were, and obviously they were nineteen point five million over the limit, and the eventual penalty ended up being ten points, which is exactly in line with what. 
Richard Masters, the Premier League CEO, had, yeah. had said. But that also in the commission, they're like, no, no, this wasn't like the Premier League saying that has to be the agreed upon framework. That only has the sta status of a submission. Like John, Richard Masters just said that. You know, he's entitled to his view. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was an official thing. However, we ended up giving the penalty exactly in line with this. Mm. So this has created in the mind, certainly of Andy Burdham, who I'm sure isn't simply just currying favour with Everton fans. I mean, look, he's the mayor of Manchester. Mm. You know, not not Liverpool. Um, maybe he has his eyes on higher office, though, Ken. Mm, maybe. Maybe he does. But uh, You said you read the report, though. I, I, read, I read the report. Are they bang to rights? Is that your, well, your like the thing about the report, I mean, it's, it all does sound pretty reasonable. I mean, at the end, like you've got, like Everton have broken the rules. They, they knew the rules. They broke the rules. They've accepted they've broken the rules. And now they're being punished for it. I, you know, <laughs> like if that's corrupt... Then what? What? What's the alternative? Like, if you if if they did all that, and then the the Premier League said, "Oh well, this isn't this isn't great," but you know, yeah, carry on. Like that would would that be corrupt? Well, it was never going to be carry on, but I, I, they thought it would be whatever financial transfer ban, bit of a yeah. fine. Well, this is what Everton were saying: we should have f either fine us or impose a transfer ban. We won't d dabble into the we transfer ban. We market. haven't been very good at that anyway in <laughs> yeah, recent yeah. seasons. You'd be doing yeah. us a favour, quite frankly. <laughs> but the argument there was that, um, as they say, a financial penalty for a club that enjoys the support of a wealthy owner is not a sufficient penalty. In other words, he, you know, that's just, yeah. I'll write the ticket, you know, whatever, I don't care. Um, we agree with the Premier League that the requirements of punishment, deterrence, vindication of compliant clubs and the protection of the integrity of the sport demand a sporting sanction in the form of a points deduction. The issue is not the form of sanction, but its extent. So, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're basically saying, uh, I mean, the rules are there. Some people say, for, inst for instance, Martin Samuel, you know, the columnist, Martin Samuel, he's like, this is a joke. We shouldn't have these rules. You know, people should be allowed to invest in the game, you know. Um, but the rules are there because, first of all, to prevent clubs from doing what Leeds did mm -hmm. basically and there's a couple of other examples you know Portsmouth and, and so on um, and secondly to pr to protect the other clubs from clubs that have owners like Sheikh Mansour effectively or even L Usmanov and mm. Moshiri at Everton or he, you know basically uh, super rich uh, individuals or entities come in and try to buy success. The effect of that is to have an inflationary pressure throughout the whole game. And that creates financial problems for everybody. Well, it, it doesn't if you just say, okay, we can't compete anymore. But that's also kind of shit, you know? <laughs> we, like, you know, we were talking about the... the, the <clears throat> when we were talking, doing that city uh, academic study last weekend, and there was another one about Newcastle fans another study this is the, the, for non-members this was a piece the city one was DCU led study into the role of supporters in basically backing the sports washing and making excuses for their club's hierarchy and so on well, ha, ha. I can't thank Sheikh Mansour enough we did get bought by a guy but what a guy what a guy that, no, that wasn't the man we talked to no no, no I did no. see that clip I, I did see was it again you mentioned John Bruin when Bruin retweeted that clip and that fella went through a load of matches that he was supposedly at in the hardcore days yeah. and Bruin was like well hang on the Barnsley weren't in that division at that time and this <laughs> yeah. wasn't these things didn't actually happen that he was at but uh, enough city bashing for one day yeah we, and, and that piece wasn't actually about city bashing but we even got an email from a city fan saying oh I'm refreshingly I'm surprised yeah. to see that you weren't bashing city mm. uh, thank you for that email uh, but the Newcastle, uh, yeah, the the thing with the Newcastle study was one of the things they found. One of the main sort of discursive strategies employed by Newcastle fans in dealing with this whole controversy over the Saudi mm. ownership was motivated ignorance. I.e., I don't care about that. 
<laughs> I'm here strictly for the football. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to become an expert on what's going on in Yemen. Uh, you know, I don't want to get involved in all that. That's all bullshit to me. And I know this is all out there, but I'm not. I'm mm. literally not going to pay any attention to it because it wrecks my head and it's just... It I makes me sad it. and football it, makes me happy. Yeah, 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 more or less, right. The, I mean, which is... You can understand how Newcastle fans, a lot of them would feel that way about it. And I'm sure everybody kind of feels that way about it. I know I do, right? <laughs> a lot of the time watching football... You know, you're kind of like, I wish I'd just watch football. But the problem for everyone, the, the problem is that it's not, it's not quite so easy for everyone else to ignore the fact that, like, the, the Premier League or football competitions in general are now being decided by the whims of powerful people in, you know, the Persian Gulf, for mm-hmm. example. You know what I mean? Man City won the treble. Uh, it, it's one thing for Man City fans to go, well, look, you know... Uh, a, they're a great businessman, and B, like, this is about football, and, you know, all this sort of stuff is just distraction and nonsense. But for everyone else, it's kind of like, well, you seem to be lo- looming over the game. Like, we, it's easy for you to ignore all this, but it's, it's harder for everyone else, you know? Um, we don't have all that winning to distract us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so the Everton fans, I can, I can sort of, I can see where they're coming from. And it is obviously going to be, I, I disagree with them, but I, I'm not surprised that they are doing this. Mm. Um uh, and they, I don't think it has they, anything to do with their case. You know, at root, they don't feel like, oh, you know, we it should have been six points or it should have been a financial fine. It's like 115 charges. Mm. Like that. Like that is the thing that's yeah. motivating them, not anything to, I think to do with their own case. So yeah, much. but I don't get that because the Premier League are dealing with Man City. They are, they have charged them 115 times. They're just struggling to get to you know dot all the I's and cross all those T's That's, on the uh, uh, legal framework. That is not uh, that is that is not very reassuring to Everton fans. You know they, the the justice can be handed out so speedily uh, in yeah. inverted commas to them, and then it's yeah well okay. Well, it's a lot more complicated with Man City. A lot more complicated. There's there's 114 more charges for a start. <laughs> well, That's a lot more guilt if they if it's no, if for sure, it yeah. that they're found oh, completely. Guilty, they're, they're, well, well, I mean, as what everyone, are they bloody as everyone is saying, they get in front of the judge. Argue your case. Bingo, bango. They will get, get it uh, done. Much. Uh, <laughs> I should get I'm, it. I'm, get I'm it just trying to, trying to talk sensibly here. And this just get it done. Get it done. Just get it done. Old. I don't know what, what, what I don't want. No, like why you're hanging around. System, I like it. Listen, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of other things. You know, put it, me in charge for a couple of weeks on. It will be so. It, it does. It does create obviously a lot of interest in what is going to happen there, and maybe there there will be a lot more people screaming about corruption. Um, depending, I think actually, whatever the outcome of that case, that's that's sort of where we are now. It doesn't almost doesn't matter what the outcome is or what the punishment is. Oh, I think there's going to be a lot more noise. What about Manchester City and Liverpool? Well, Man City and Liverpool were playing at 12.30 on Saturday, and it was a very 12.30 kind of a game, Mm. which is to say... very, we match of the day did as well there. We we went all this time without talking about the, a match between the top It team. wasn't really like, it wasn't that good a match, you know. Uh, neither team really played that well. Uh, it was it was very slow. It was kind of careful, everyone passing the ball around. Nothing unpredictable was happening except when either one or other side made a mistake, which wasn't all that often, or when Jeremy Doku got the ball, when he was, I mean, he was so good, you know. And I know this is this whole sort of, Jeremy Doku plays brilliantly against Liverpool. And then it's like, Jeremy Doku 
dribbled seven times, or Trent Alexander-Arnold got dribbled se- past seven times, a record for a Premier League game. And then immediately they say, well, actually, no, if you look at this, he didn't really get dribbled past. Is this what dribbling past means? These stats are worthless. You know, because everything becomes this, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this, is fa- this is a fake story. You know, y- your sources are fake. Check your sources. Like, like everything, it's just a pattern of everything that gets released on the internet. But my opinion, having watched the game, was that Jeremy Doku is a very good player. He's very good, Owen. Uh, he is seriously good. And sure, he didn't actually set up a goal. Um, and maybe sometimes when he was dribbling past people, did he really go past them or did he just sort of dribble in their direction and hold on to the ball? You know, I'm not sure. But I, all I know is every time he had the ball, I was like, this guy's ridiculous. Look at him. Look at him. That was my feeling. Yeah. Uh, it was. Do you think all- they'll get their money back on Grealish? No, no, no. <laughs> no, but it's they might, no, get, no, no. they might get sixty million but back be, because he's because of his age. What, what is he? Twenty nine now? Is he twenty eight? Is he twenty nine? Wow. Uh, Villa take him back now. Villa's like yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't pay hundred million from though. Yeah, um, but but I mean, Greedish is 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 good. But it's, it's obviously that we've we've talked about this. Greedish Greedish was injured. He wasn't in the squad for City. Twenty eight, by the way. Twenty eight. Um, uh, City, I think, should have, should have won the game. Ultimately, you know, they had the chances to win it comfortably, kept polluting the ball over the bar. They had a bunch of chances in the start of the second half, um, which they missed. Uh, Allison didn't have a great game, although still made some great saves. A few bloopers, a couple G- good saves. Gave away the... Um, well, it didn't give away. He he gave the ball to City. It was one of these examples of a, one of the teams makes a mistake and that suddenly creates an imbalance in a game which had just been so balanced that like it was almost hard, hardly worth watching. Uh, comes through quickly. Ake to Haaland. Haaland with a great quick finish. Actually, it was the kind of finishing style of the weekend. Uh, your Watkins, your th- Ferguson's, your Haaland's of this world. Your Trent's. Well, they're all watching Ferguson. That's what it is. Well, f- every, well, every, yeah. Almost every goal Ferguson scored has been like that, except the one where he absolutely belted it into the top corner to, in the hat-trick game. Ferguson's Most one of his goals I think are was different. ones where he just, quick, just kind of controls it and shoots early and guides it in. I think the Ferguson one was slightly different from the others. Uh, if you look at him, you can see he, he has a little look up as well. He kind of he takes a little pause. There's like a slight hesitation before he applies to finish well that's because there's a pass on I think he's considering passing and then he goes no I'll just use them almost as a screen and I'll just just use them as a sighter you know and what, just inside those that, that attacker and that defender and into the corner he's able to sort of hit the ball so solidly that's but, it but while appearing to it yeah. in a kind of an accurate way but he's still there's a lot of power on it um, it's really God it's amazing God <laughs> it's amazing okay it's okay let's it's just beautiful. Calm it down here. it's so beautiful what about, what about Nunes uh, Nunes versus Pep that's all I want to know about from that game well I didn't I still haven't really heard what that was about I mean Nunes obviously went over and Nunes understands a lot about what it means to become a legendary player for sporters mm. isn't he yeah and like if you can't sticking score, it to Pep yeah if you can't score 35 goals a season this is definitely the next best thing to do walk over to Pep uh, uh, you know and start having a go at him Call or him whatever it was fraud <laughs> yeah that is what you want to do steady on. I mean the, I, I, an outstanding example of it that I remember was John Joe Shelby playing for Liverpool against Manchester United at Anfield, did the same, did something similar to Alex Ferguson, or as he stormed off the pitch, he was jabbing his finger at Ferguson mm. and saying, you old fucker. Um, problem. Uh, he was doing that having just been sent off mm. in a game that I'm pretty sure Liverpool lost, or maybe were losing at the time. Or, But, uh, but obviously him being sent off was a moment of, 
we are going to lose this match, aren't we? <laughs> and Ferguson was just laughing at him. Yeah. Ferguson was like the cat in that meme. You know, the, the, the cat, the white cat sitting at the table in front of the plates of vegetables. <laughs> just <laughs> Ferguson like, oh, what? <laughs> Screw you, Shelby. Uh, so that wasn't, but you know, in this, Liverpool had taken a point, which was a brilliant result because yeah. City have won the previous 23 games at, at home. Uh, and it looked like they were going to lose for a long time. Then they equalized. Uh, and then that, that's the perfect moment for Nunez to go over and start whatever it was all about. Mm. Who knows? Um, this can only increase his standing. He's already uh, heroic standing in the eyes of supporters. Did he have that credit game? Well, you know, there's still plenty of room for improvement. improvement. That's what's so exciting about him. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Eighteen fifty seven one five eight one five. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Lion Live. Five one double five one is our text number, and Joe at rt.ie from wherever you are in the world. Ken, good afternoon. How are you? You saw it. What happened? I mean, I actually was abused by a Dane as well. Mm-hmm. The night before. Go ahead. I was, I was, I was having uh, dinner after the, 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 you know, we finished our work or whatever on Friday, went into town, we were, we were sitting in a restaurant. Uh, you were a journalist. Uh, and uh, Myself mm-hmm. and three other journalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point, we were, it turned out we were all looking at our phones simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like we were waiting, waiting in the bill or something. Mm-hmm. And this Danish guy mm-hmm. staggered up from behind, behind sort of mm-hmm. suddenly leaned over the table and he goes, Go ahead. Is there a Wi-Fi? Is there a Wi-Fi in here? The whole thing, say, um, Ken, the whole thing is, is getting more and more bizarre. You, you didn't do it, did you, did you report that to the FAI or anything? We were like, uh, actually, we're just on the 3G. Mm-hmm. Before we could finish explaining we weren't actually on the Wi-Fi, he goes, Wi-Fi wankers! You're all Wi-Fi wankers! Did he write because, this himself? Did he, we compo- were, did he compose this line himself? You know, he, all he'd seen was for... I, I don't know how he knew we were Irish, but he, he knew. We had a great chat last week with Mark Langhammer. He is the vice chair of Crusaders in Belfast. And he was arguing in favour of Caseman Park. Not everyone's in favour of Caseman Park being Northern Ireland's venue of choice for Euro 2028. But Mark is all guns blazing for that one. Christopher McCardle enjoyed the chat, but... 
I have to be honest, I found the repeated questions regarding the safety of fans to be a bit much. The storm that has been whipped up by the Northern, Northern Ireland Supporters Association seems a bit manufactured to most people. Thousands of Celtic colours went to Linfield versus Celtic Champions League qualifier in Windsor Park 2017. Windsor Park is in the village, which is one of Belfast's most well-known loyalist areas. There was minimal police presence and no trouble. Some may call it a false equivalence. But the idea of violent scenes erupting as Northern Ireland fans walk down the falls for a match of casement seems fantastical in this day and age. It's not 90 1972. The symbolism around Roger Casement, the torture of soldiers in the ground historically and its connection to the Provisional IRA are all relevant points. But another important point to make is plainly this is Northern Ireland. Everything is political. Everything and almost every one has a connection to something murky from our past. Symbolism meant we couldn't have the maze. Symbolism is a big part of why we apparently can't have Casement Park and it will be the reason why we can't have whatever the next site is. We've been held back long enough by the intransigence of political unionism whose views are mirrored by many Northern Ireland fans and certainly by the Supporters Association. Nationalists are encouraged to go to Northern Ireland matches in Windsor Park. This is a stadium with its own story to tell. It's a stadium where Cliftonville fans were attacked with grenades in the 90s. It's also the stadium where a sectarian riot so severe took place that it led to the old Belfast Celtic having to disband because their safety couldn't be guaranteed. Republic of Ireland fans of a certain age will also remember the qualifier in 1993. But being honest, these things aren't really relevant anymore. They're part of our past, yet we're letting them dictate our future. Who actually benefits from that? The football legacy for not playing games is the only argument that carries any weight. The funding for regional stadia for Northern Irish football clubs must be guaranteed alongside any financing for Caseman Park. Some people might say that one shouldn't depend on the other, but then again, Northern Ireland wouldn't be so fucked up if it weren't. All the best from Christopher. It's just on the safety thing. The reason I asked a few questions on that was mainly because Mark's initial response, if I recall, was more or less, well, no, Northern Ireland, they can't be guaranteed their safety, but we don't need them anyway. We can sell out the matches without them. And I just kind of felt... (sighs) people have reservations about hosting these major tournaments anyway and it seems to me a bit grim to host a major tournament and view the actual supporters of the national team as just completely expendable in the whole thing I know by definition a major sports event is a bandwagon jumping exercise so in one way that's just a generalised issue but it does have a unique Northern Irish twist in this point it doesn't seem like if anything it should be building bridges and not driving one section of the support uh, further away from the other Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, guaranteeing their safety, you know, like that, that, that is, you could read that phrase a number of different ways. I mean, the fact of the matter is they might not feel that comfortable walking down uh, the falls to, to Casement Park. That doesn't mean that they're in, in imminent danger. You know, like the fact of the matter is for many residents of Belfast, they feel a lot more comfortable in parts of the city than they do in other parts of the city. And you know, their discomfort, you know, if you can't guarantee their safety, then that's the problem. But if they feel uncomfortable walking through parts of their own city in the same way that Catholics would through certain areas of, uh, certain Protestant areas of the city, well then, like, we do actually have to just try and get past that, you know? Uh, if all you're talking about is literally that, a sense of discomfort, a sense of, well, these people don't may, may not really like me. It's not even just a case of walking through. It's also a case if you're going to a football match, you, you want to go, you want to have pints in the local area, you want to do all those things. And the fear among some of these Northern Ireland supporters is that they wouldn't be able to do that in this case. You yeah. feel, I do feel this, you feel that you agree that it's being manufactured somewhat, this idea of there being a fear for saving... <sighs> Yeah, well, I mean, because I, I can see where they're coming from, these Northern Ireland fans. Like, but I mean, if if they felt if they've felt in danger, then that would be one thing. But I I don't think that's what they're saying. I'm I think I really think they're saying, you know, we wouldn't be comfortable going to Casement Park, which is, yeah, okay, grand. But like, 
the, I, the city still has to has still has to function, you know, uh, and. When the time comes and casement gets built, and as Mark was telling us last week, uh, there will be music events there. There will be big concerts in in a, 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 a in a stadium that has the ability to hold major uh, uh, music tours. There will be a lot of GAA matches and no further football games planned, which is yeah. the main issue that the supporters have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I I. I, I think certainly you can listen to people who are, are who have uh, who are uncomfortable about it, but I, I don't think you can jeopardize the idea of an, of a Euro, of Euro twenty twenty eight coming to Northern Ireland on the basis of that feeling of discomfort that they would feel. We might need the wedding bells for this one. Wedding bells are ringing in the chapel. I literally can't remember the last time I was invited to a wedding. Alone at home, I hang my head in sorrow. I have to go to another fucking wedding. Those wedding bells will never ring for me. We're getting married Those in uh, Turin. Bells will never ring for me. Donica O'Convi, lads, in today's pod, this is one of the podcasts from last week. Ken says James McLean has more technical ability than nearly all ordinary people off the street. And secondly, Boris Johnson was a disaster in almost every respect. A useless pisshead. I genuinely (laughs) would be interested to hear about the cohort of ordinary people off the street who Ken suspects have better technical skills than James McLean and also the aspects of Boris Johnson's legacy Ken considers to have been a resounding success. A useless pisshead. As regards the wedding bells, I'll get to that in a second, but would you like to address these two concerns that are listening? Well, the Boris one is easy. I mean, winning elections, winning big votes. That, That is quite an important part of being a politician. Yeah, I mean, he did have two big wins. I mean, if even if you disregard his London mayor stuff, he had the Brexit and the 2019 election. I mean, the fact that, you know, perhaps the success didn't continue beyond the initial vote doesn't change the fact that there was some big successes there. He's so He's a champion, Boris Johnson, is what you're he saying. He's good at those types mm. of things. McLean. Ordinary, well, look, ordinary people off the street. Well, there's lots of people out there with with um, with wonderful technical ability who don't have uh, the rest of the makings of what it takes to be a um, professional football around. Like those, um, like Murph over here. Yeah. Oh, cheers! Uh, you, you like the, Murph never had the makings of a varsity athlete. Yeah. Uh, what about the uh, the street footballers that we had in a couple of years ago? Yeah, what are those guys. F F two. F two. Yeah, Billy and Jess. Billy and Jess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about those guys? They probably had more technical ability than James McLean. But what they didn't have was what James McLean gets so upset about when we credit him for. Heart, spirit, determination, effort. Yeah. The zero skill moments. That's they matter a lot in top level sports. The freestyle world football championships yeah. are on as we speak actually, Murph. Well, Those guys have a bit of technical ability. I bet you they have more technical ability than James McLean. But what does that mean? Absolutely sweet Absolutely fuck all. Absolutely nothing. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks, right. thanks, Thank Owen. you, Karen. Katie Taylor Fight Podcast is out now for everybody. Hopefully, we will see you soon on the World Service as well. Second Gap's podcast is part. Uh, Owen, sorry to interrupt there. Of the yeah, the Acast Creator Network. Creator Network. Yeah, all episodes will be ad free. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.